Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Yeah, one thing I've definitely learned over the years is just to throw it out there. And that's what we do on Bleacher Plums is just fire it out there into the wilderness, into the outer, outer reaches of podcast land. And yeah, Mother Nature, like Mother it. Nature, Mother Nature put us together today, Blum. We don't want to sidetrack Dude. that. Mother Nature put uh, us together. Yeah, you should to be on wilderness. hole number six right now. Dude, I should be playing golf right now, but it is, it's a Friday, the April, th- dude, April's over with. Um, and it's pouring rain outside. I mean, there have been two, the last two weeks I've tried to play golf on Friday and been banged both times because of rain. Yeah. So not too happy with mother nature right now, although it is getting a little bit warmer and the days have actually been pretty nice. That's why I was excited about it. But of course, you know, mother nature saw me enter in the calendar, play golf. And uh, she poo-pooed the idea. Uh, makes me wonder if my wife is mother nature, but anyways, <laughs> we'll see That's if she's listening podcast, to this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we've got plenty on tap. It's brought to you by St. Arnold. We love uh, St. Arnold beers, and they're actually doing a good job putting on the super screen our uh, baseball games for the Houston Astros. So my voice has been there. I, Tuttle and I have been there in spirit, but what's on tap is brought to you by St. Arnold. Uh, we've got a mailbag question that kind of fits into uh, something that happened on our broadcast over the last week. Um, I have, I am going to, to drop one of the craziest words I've ever had to drop on weird word Wednesday, this past Wednesday and get some, some thoughts on that. The NFL draft happened last night. We're going to have some thoughts on that. I've got a blast that is going to probably be, I don't want to be political, but I think it's just going to venture that way because I think sports has kind of taken the bull by the horns, uh, during this pandemic. And then, of course, we've got what will Tuttle say. I know that you've got some uh, curious things to say, but Tuttle, man, how we doing, dude? Welcome back to Bleacher Blooms. Doing awesome, man. Uh, Mother Nature put us together. I, I, if people saw that how much we kind of are, I don't want to say arbitrary. We try and record, but, you know, we both have other gigs that we do. And just the text back and forth, like, you want to do it Thursday or Friday or how about the weekend? And there's <laughs> stuff going on. And then you're like, well, I'm going to golf on that morning. Like if that, all that back and forth just to get us together and then mother nature. So I don't know if mother nature's mm-hmm. uh, your wife or my wife or anybody's uh, spouse, but I'm happy that uh, mother nature intervened today. Cause this is a good time for us to get together and uh, things are going well. It's not raining here. Southern California is uh, not. the usual 75 and sunny and uh, got a big soccer weekend on tap, which seems to be uh, par for the course <laughs> pun intended. So uh, do, well doing played. well, yeah, doing well. So I'm Good. actually thinking about you were, I mean, you were talking, we talked a little bit before about how Texas is opening up. We got a busy summer planned, but uh, mm-hmm. I got to figure out how to come out to uh, Houston. I mean, it can't be that, can't be that expensive to get a quick flight out no. to Houston. And, and I think you, I think you might a have a place to stay if you need it. Um, yeah, we got a couple extra rooms out here in Cali for, I mean, in Texas for you, and, uh, you could definitely come out here. I know that the guys and everybody at St. Arnold would absolutely have a blast having us hang around and we could probably publicize that a little bit more and get some of these fans to actually get their hands on you a little bit and see Tuttle up close and in person. That would be awfully interesting for them because right now you're just, uh, you're max headroom to them. Just blushing already. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't signed autographs in a while and done, you know, babies and 
kissed babies and shook hands, especially with a mask. So we'll have to see. How yeah, that goes. yeah, things are things are changing a little bit. And I know that you. And again, I mean, we try not to get political, but you've been vaccinated, correct? Is that can I say I that? Have, Is that HIPAA? Yeah. 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 Uh, oh my gosh. Yes. It's fine. Yeah. I'm, uh, okay. I got vaccinated. Yes. As, as I know, yeah, I got my, I got my first shot two I'm, last Tuesday. Oh, you're, you're behind me. I'm two weeks Wednesday? away from shot number two. Oh, okay. So I'm, yeah, I'm three weeks away because I just got mine yeah. done, but, uh, yeah, mine and, um, mine's in hopes that we actually get to travel eventually, but do you have any plan like summer trips planned or are you planning so, on it? Yeah, yeah, no. So the reason I did it was for my work because medical, I go into medical. Yeah, no, that's great. Deal with medical. So that's why. And everyone's vaccinated. And so I was trying to set an appointment with a key uh, stakeholder, for lack of a better word. And I got a little mm-hmm. sheet saying, hey, provide your date of vaccination, when it happened, all this stuff, and sign it. And then send an email with this form to the office manager and you can come in and speak to. I'm like, oh, all right. So that was one key. We mm-hmm. are planning, uh, my wife, <clears throat> I won't say her age, but uh, one of those big birthdays. So we're going to probably oh, nice. go to Hawaii. We, we were talking about going international, but I'm not sure we can go that way. And we're just, I can't believe you celebrate 39 year old birthdays like that. I That's know awesome. it's crazy. 38, 39. <laughs> I mean, you know, just year after year after year, you start losing track, but we, uh, but we're going to, um, I think we have Hawaii on the books and I will say nice. that we, it's not you know, we're going to be picky uh, in the sense that one of the, like the breakfast buffets, I don't know if they're ever bringing back buffets, but if, you know, if you have to wear a Mm -hmm. mask at the pool and they're doing social distancing, uh, I think it's opened up pretty much already, but we're going to, we're going to kind of keep our ear to the ground. And if you hear anything about uh, flights to Hawaii, I know you need a negative COVID test. They're not making you get vaccinated, but in general, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a good idea to get vaccinated, which I think was your original question. So. Yeah, but that's great because then you have the, you know, you can run around with the vaccination card and go, hey, let me in, let me in. I don't want to wear a mask kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's, but you're right though. If you're going to spend that kind of money and go on a trip on something like that, you want to have the freedom to do what you want. That's uh, probably the more important thing. Uh, yeah, we're actually going great. to go to uh, Lake Havasu over All Star break because we oh, have family right. out there. So, yeah. Well, Arizona, uh, you don't have to worry about that. They're looser than Texas. Like, woo. I know. Like, dude, trust me, man. We went out, dude, I mean, now that we're already past it, we went out there last summer and we were masking here in Houston, wore the masks on the plane, rental car, landed in Vegas, drove to Havasu, mask, mask, mask. We get to Havasu. And I mean, we walk in the restaurant and my family was the only one with masks on. It was yeah. the wildest thing, but uh, yeah. 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 And then, you know, you're at your, you know, your own house and your own boat and your own whatever. So then you're kind of isolated out there. True. Your posse is small enough where you're not like, you know, needing a mask. Can you imagine like some people's masks out there are bigger than their bikinis? You know, you're like, (laughs) is that gal wearing a mask? Like the bikini, the teeny bikini. You're like, wait a second. I think she put her mask on as her top. (laughs) Like, right. I mean, I mean, that's habits. It's a little nutty out there. So just anyway. a little bit no yeah anyway that's a great that's a great point and i i think yeah it's not a political thing but i i think being vaccinated in the long run will just be like a kind of a you know i got this idea and it'll mm-hmm. let me go where i want to go and do what i want to do but i think to your point i mean the full experience is the full experience and i think if you're going to pay 
top dollar. Yes. My only experience we went to Palm Springs and we stayed in the hotel and like you had to ask for them to clean your room and the breakfast buffet was shut down and they would do a breakfast, like a cold breakfast for you. And it was kind of like mm-hmm. we were paying the same for the hotel, <laughs> but you're getting yeah. less, you're getting less service. And I think that's, you know, we're definitely opening up um, from COVID, but I, I do believe that, you know, yeah. I'm not a micromanager of money, but it's like, man, if I got to pay top dollar, and I'm getting less service. It just, you know, it lessens the experience, I guess, for lack of a better word, I guess. No, 100%. So, I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Let me, uh, let me get to the mailbag. We only got one. Uh, I mean, I say only got one, one since the last podcast, I probably skipped about 10 emails prior. <laughs> um, but as you mentioned uh, at the top of the uh, podcast, that this is an email that was related to something you guys did on the broadcast. I am doing a pretty lousy job blummer and you and i do get to hang out once a week and ke- of catching the mm-hmm. astros broadcast I'm, i promise to do better um i've been doing a poor job of it this year thus far so i am out of the loop on it's this all good. let me uh yeah you you and i chat enough but i you know i gotta mm-hmm. i gotta have my ear to the ground i gotta figure out what's going on so this is an email from peggy she said first of all i want to thank you both for this podcast i love the content and the conversations you have about life and baseball and was so grateful you kept podcasting about sports during the pandemic nice thank you also yeah. i grew up in northern california Woo! so i enjoy the banner y'all have about hey she threw a y'all in there though y'all have about, <laughs> both texas, about both texas and california go bears and giants um so my question has to do about scorekeeping in baseball. I started doing mm-hmm. this a couple years ago and I really enjoy scoring each Astros game that I can get to. I am learning something new each time and I think the shorthand history of each game I attend is a fun keepsake to remember some great plays and players I've seen. Wow, that is, I you That's know, cool. I used to score keep too, but that is exactly why people do it. I think it's cool. I have a couple of things I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Do you have any advice or tips for someone who's learning to score a game What's important to you about the score sheet format when you do score a game? Some scorecards allow for a lot of detail while others do not. Mm-hmm. And finally, can you think of an unusual play or two you've seen in a professional baseball game and how how was that scored? I bet you've both seen some crazy plays in all years on the field. Thanks, Peggy. Wow, that is full of stuff. I love it. Yeah, Peggy did a great job. That, that's a really good question. We appreciate the positive feedback too. That always encourages us. But uh, I'm glad. So you did keep score. That's what I was going to ask you about. That do you have you I've ever done it before? You, so we used to do yeah. it for like little league games, and then of course when I had a chart mm-hmm. in the stands, some sometimes oh, yeah. it was just charting. Sometimes it was just charting the pitch, right? So I forgot about that. You know how the pitchers go in the in the stands all the time. Now when you get yeah, you know AAA big leagues, they don't make you sit in the stands. Thank God. But man, we used to have to sit up there with the scouts and look like, you know. They would like radar make guns, a shower, get all dressed clippers, up, radar yeah. gun. Exactly. So we used to chart that and then we would okay. have a scorekeeper. So I did it in professional baseball, but mainly I remember doing it like back in little league as well. So, yeah, we had to do the same thing in little league coming up. And then uh, we, you know, even in high school, I think we, act, you know, our team manager was like the official scorekeeper uh, yeah. just to keep track of all that. And I love the fact that Peggy made a reference to it, like keeping it's, you're basically keeping your, your, your tracking history because this stuff eventually goes into logs and then you start, you look back on some of these things, but it's kind of interesting. If something great happens on the field, then you have a record of it, which I think is awesome. And on the audio podcast, you're not going to be able to see it, but I'm going to hold up a picture of my actual scorecard that I use in a game. And it is, it is a little complicated, but it's, it's full of 
um, nice. opportunities to put in information. I've got line score. I've got pitcher stats. I've got the defense. Um, and then I have an ep empty section up here for who comes into the game to pitch. Uh, yeah. I have bullpens. Um, I have a section for notes, and then I have the actual scorecard itself where it goes inning by inning and hitter by hitter. Yeah. That's This is the pre – Oh, I'm not going to plan it over. This is the Hello. this is the pre. This is the post, yeah. and it gets a little nice. sketchy with some of the information I'm able to put in there. But I keep track of yeah. everything, and I'll highlight runs. But uh, I, I have a I question have, about that. Is that yeah. one that you created, or is that one? I mean, yes. because you know Great what you question. like to do, or did somebody say, "Hey, this is what the Astros use"? I mean, because it's not for anybody else but you and your broadcast and yep. your ability to. I guess, articulate things on the fly during the game. So I started with just a blank, big old blank, old school scorecard. And then I found myself taking notes, writing notes all over the place. And it got a little messy. And we were on a road trip during Hurricane Harvey. We got bumped. We couldn't get home. So we had to go play home games in Tampa. And, you know, I had to fill in on radio. It was, it was a chaotic time. But I went and sat in the Tampa Bay radio uh, booth to call some games on radio and I saw a scorecard on the uh, in in the in the Tampa Bay radio booth, so I, I talked to the radio guy who sits in that seat. I go, "Is this your scorecard? Do you mind if I steal one and just basically alter it to my liking?" Because I enjoyed how it was set up, and he said, "Yeah, go for it." So I, I took it, made a, a couple of tweaks to it, and that's how I got my own. But yes, I do have my own Jeff nice. Blum scorecard that I've developed. Nice. Um, that I get As that you question should. a lot. No, but it's a tool to trade. And I would say, I mean, what is the, uh, it's the sincerest form of flattery, right? Like imitation yeah. is the sincerest form of mm -hmm. flattery. And honestly, you know, it works for you. So you didn't, you know, copy it. Like for like, I, I get this all the time at work. Somebody will send you an Excel spreadsheet and they're like, Hey, fill this in and add this to it and do this. And I'm like, Oh, and then if I need this data, I will take that copy, paste it, save as, and then manipulate it how I want it. I mean, it happens in all go. walks of life. You've seen it even in a physical attribute like a batting stance or a pitching motion, right? Like, hey, imitate, like, mm -hmm. hey, it looks like you're flying open. And what I found is if you land with your heel closed and your shoulder, you know, pointed this way or your elbow pointed this way, it'll keep you closed longer, whatever, like that. That's, it's the same mm -hmm. thing you're doing. You're just doing it with your totally. scorecard. Like, hey, I'm going to imitate that guy. I'm going to take this and add this and subtract this. And I think it's a, I think it's a constant and it's a sign of, um, you know, a sign of somebody that's trying to get better. Yeah. And, and again, it goes to our conversation. We're constantly trying to get as much information and, and adjust it. I like the word you actually use manipulate because everybody's different. And that's probably the biggest thing with scorekeeping is that everybody does it differently. So don't yeah. think you have to do it some uniform way. I do it differently than Todd. Julia does it differently than me. Todd, you know, Dave does it differently than everybody else. So yeah. do what works for you and just keep it as simple as you possibly can to begin with. Once you get in a rhythm and a technique of scoring each play, then you can start to get a little bit bigger like I did. I started real basic and then I found myself taking notes during the game or wanting notes before the game. So I started to create space for that. And I that's how I would recommend. Just keep it simple. Uh, fly out to center field. Just put the number eight. You know, just yeah. a way to remind yourself that was just a fly out to center field. Uh, five, three on a ground ball to third base to first base. You don't you know, have things to write like that. F8. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, yeah, or pop no, out, right. or you know, foul yeah. ball. And I don't, I don't uh, delineate foul ball, fair ball, shifting, not shifting. Like Todd does yeah. a lot of that stuff because yeah. he needs that in information, as opposed to where I try to provide a little more of a broader analysis and get really into the fine details sometimes of plays. But uh, have fun with that, and I encourage it. I think keeping score in baseball is one of those unique situations in sports where you can keep score and still watch the game and still enjoy the game. And it, and it brings back some good memories and things like that. And I think it's great to pass along the craziest plays I've ever seen have been rundowns. You know, the one where the it's a double to left field. So you're tracking the hit and the base runner, the left fielder picks it up in left field, throws it to the shortstop who throws it to home plate, who has the runner in a rundown, eventually gets in a rundown between third and home. And all of a sudden I've got like this alpha, you know, this number soup, <laughs> of a yeah. play that goes down. It looks like I've, you know, I'm dialing uh, Jenny's phone number and it's, yeah. you know, seven, seven, six, two, five, one, six, four. You know, I mean, that, that's I was going to say crazy. eight, the relay, the eight, the six, the two to the five, <laughs> to the six, to the two, to the, you know, the one and the tag out. You're like, yeah. I, you probably don't have to document it again. You can simplify that. But I guess if you're keeping full record, yeah, it looks like alphabet mm -hmm. soup. You know, the thing I was thinking about from a numbers perspective, two things that always confused me with scorekeeping. Uh, one was like the interference, like catcher's interference. That one's just not bringing it up. There's a good question. Uh, yeah. Not that it confuses me. It's just like, all right, so this guy's on base. It? Like, yeah, you have to add a little more information in there because it's not in that and it's like a base mm -hmm. runner. And then maybe he got an RBI if the bases were loaded. And it's like, all right, so he got an RBI, but there was no at bat. And, you know, I know you do that with sacrifices. <laughs> the other one, so I'll just bring up two now and I can let you go um, uh, riff on it is the, uh, the thing that happened this year to the Dodgers, the home run where Justin Turner went back oh, yeah. and Clay Bellinger <clears throat> passed him. So one of them's out and one, you know, that kind of stuff mm -hmm. is just, I mean, it's not like you can't score it, but you need to do it once or twice. And, and to Peggy's point, you don't see it very often. So you're like, you know, check, please. Like, help. I, how do, yeah. what do I do here? Like, how do I officially <laughs> record that he had a home run, but he's out and then he didn't get the RBI for this guy that was on. And it's just a base hit, but it went out of the ballpark. And right. well, yeah, you know, what's funny about that is I will actually in the middle of a broadcast, if something happens like that, like the first time that I had a catcher's interference, uh, you know, and Josh Reddick, I think one year had like seven of them. Yeah, he was so just finally I so yeah he just dropped the barrel and hit the catcher's <laughs> glove and two strikes. You know, and uh, you know finally I you know we got to the point where I was like TK, I go, how do you score that? And TK is great about it because he's you know he's a technician, he's he knows the game inside now, and, and he's done it and enough like, where he's like, I remember yeah. that, right? Yeah. He's He's like, he's like, duh, it's E2, catcher's interference. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Right. but I needed to know that. Now I know, and I can move on with it. Um, you know, shifting is a pain in the butt sometimes because you're trying to figure out, you know, that was a ground ball to second base, but Correa caught it, and it's the shortstop that threw right. it. So it gets so a little if, confusing sometimes on so that. So if Correa's on the right side of second base, you just write a six or six three, right? I mean, if yeah. it's the position. So it doesn't yep. matter where they are, right? Yeah, that, that would and, be the right way yeah. to do it, I think. And you know what? It, it, truth be told, it's unfair for, for guys who have played the game like you and I to keep score because you and I could watch a game, keep score, and not have to put the detail in it like the shifting because our mind would remember that play and go, oh, yeah, he was in the shift. That's why he yeah. made that play. 
Yeah. Well, like you said, if you know when Arenado's up or, you know, Reddick's up and they play everybody on this side of the base and you see that yep. it was Reddick that hit into a 6-3, you already know that that shortstop, like you said, the second baseman was playing short right field and the shortstop was, you know, over there. Yeah, exactly. that's a great point. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. I mean, I always forget how that mentally stuff that stays with you. You know what the guy's stance is, you know, where mm -hmm. he's trying to hit the ball, you know, if he's on the plate or off the plate, all that stuff just comes rushing back oh, to you which is kind of, a so cool, true. Uh, kind of a cool thought. Hey, um, let's see, did I have a question? Oh, the home run, the scorekeeping, no, that wasn't it. There was another question in there. Oh, well, that's all right. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. If you think about it later on, bring it up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with our broadcast, we did a special one on scorekeeping. And every Wednesday, if you watch an Astros broadcast, you know that Weird Word Wednesday is one of those events that we have. And uh, Todd, tr you know, the rules of the game are is that uh, the voting happens on. To be yeah, I heard him. He, he's got some yeah. input. I like it. The, the landscapers um, here. Sorry. Weird word Wednesday. Oh, no, dude. No problem. Yeah. The, if the landscaper shows up in a window and the dogs are around, it is all, right. all hell is breaking loose because that that gardener better not attack us with a weed That's whacker. Right. Um, but uh we have Weird Word Wednesday, and it's a poll that is taken. There's four words. Fans vote on it, and eventually they come up with one word. And the the initiator of this will send me the definitions and send me the word that I'm supposed to say. And everything was going absolutely phenomenal. Great interaction with fans at home. Uh, great interaction with Lauren, who runs the account. And oddly enough, her birthday is on the same day as mine, which was last week. So, I mean, go figure on that kind of wackiness. Nice. But... Yeah, happy a little bit of a bone birthday, pick. by the way. I forgot. Yeah. Hey, thanks. I'm old. It's okay. You and I, I are I becoming to, uh, drive good buddies. <laughs> and that was our text chain. Crack me up. I don't know when your birthday is. And you don't know when mine is. I, I got to look at yeah. Twitter to find out when my buddy's birthday is. I know, is. right? Not good. But, you know, my best friend yeah. from high school, I still forget his birthday, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's such I, a dude thing. It is. It's, the dudes yeah. are like, oh, dude, it was your birthday. Happy birthday. All right, yeah. cool. Let's move on. That, <laughs> that's you just nailed it I mean, not said about that it's such a guy thing anyway so weird word wednesday i apologize yeah so i got a little bit of a bone to pick because i've been pretty lenient some of these words have been kind of nutty and fun but i got one this last wednesday that literally locked me up wow. in between innings i would have the pronunciation playing on my phone in my ears i'm listening in you know trying to figure out how i'm going to say this word and i'm going to drop it on everybody right now and i'm going to ask you if you <laughs> You've never heard you. I'm going to ask no. you if you've ever heard this word. I can tell you no. All right. Here we go. And, and keep in mind, when I'm trying to work this into a game, I am in panic mode because right. I know if I jack this pronunciation up, TK is going to look at me sideways. America is going to look at me sideways and my Twitter feed is going to go nuts. Yeah. So I am, I, I'm freaking out and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, okay, here Cold we go. Sweat. It literally was. And if like I had my whoop band on or my, my, my eye watch or whatever that thing is, Apple watch, the, the heart rate monitor would have exploded because I was like, okay, I got to do this. Um, Kakarophobia. Kakarophobia. Sounds good. You did well with yeah, it. Right. So I know phobia. So it's a fear of something. Maybe it's a fear yes. of screwing up words on an, on a <laughs> national broadcast. Right? Is that a good definition? It's, I mean, I didn't do it. It could have. It really could have been because yeah. there is That's phobia. What you're say. right. Oh, but listen to what this is, because it is. What's the definition? It's, it's abnormal, persistent, and so far I've fit into both of these trying to say this word. Irrational could be fear of failure. Ah, 
I think that word fit the experience that you had trying to say it. Completely. Yeah. yeah. So how did, what me. was the context? Did you say that he didn't want to see a slider there? He had a, he had a, you know, he's a good slider, a slider hitter or something or curveball hitter. Yeah. Say it. What? I don't remember the word. Cacarophyophobia. Oh yeah. Cacarophyophobia. So he has it. a cacarophyophobia of the slider <laughs> coming in here right now. Like in, I, I sat there and uh, Kyle Tucker was at the plate. He's been struggling, you know, and you just, mm. and what do we always say in baseball? Or if you fall off the horse, get back on the horse, keep trying, yeah, yeah. keep trying, keep trying. Yeah. So, it, you know, baseball is built on failure. So I'm kind of thinking, right. okay, baseball failure, can't play the game with a fear of failure. And I went, okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's tough, been a tough go for Kyle Tucker. You can't go out there and play the game with cacarophyophobia. Nice. And TK goes, He's like, really? He goes, have you ever played with that? And dude, everything in me wanted to say, no, I haven't found the right ointment. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made the broadcast better. But but yes, you, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so I paused on that and I said, thankfully, Todd, no, I haven't. I always went out there and played as hard as I could. <laughs> and we, we moved on, but uh, man, man. You should have said yes all the time. time. You should have said yes yeah. all the time. You know, it's an irrational yeah, every fear. Day. And I had an irrational fear every at bat. Like you could have turned it into like an, <laughs> an inning, you know, a, an inning thing. Todd's great, man. And I will say for TK, I mean, I've only met him a few times, but, uh, and we did have him on the podcast, but what cracks me up is, uh, you know, I guess it's selfish, but when, you know, we were talking or something and you said something on the broadcast, he's like, yes, what'll Tuttle say? And, you know, like he just, he has great <laughs> context, right? He brought it up. He knows. He's like, he, it was funny. <laughs> I mean, he could just, like you said, he's a professional. He knows how to bring this stuff in. So, yes. Yeah, no, I feel that, for so Kyle Tucker similar. then, like you said. Every time you say oh. the word struggling, I always just, I want to YouTube Joe Namath on his interview with uh, with Susie <laughs> Colbert. Struggling. That's how you knew he's drunk. You got, he just you got beautiful eyes. Yeah, but he said struggling, like twice. So they're struggling. And I was like, oh, I, I just, I, all I hear him is juggle the G's in that word. And you're like, oh, Joe's had a few. Yeah, yep. you beautiful eyes. Yeah, I know the Jets are I'm struggling. <laughs> so you said Tucker's been struggling, and I can just hear Joe yeah. Namath saying, "Well, next time oh, I say Tucker's struggling, I'm going to have to say it like struggling. Joe." Yeah, here's the guy who's struggling. So let's uh, let's get into let's. We don't have to spend too much time there. Weird Word Wednesday. Um, how did it come about? No, I know you're fun. doing it every Wednesday, all for home broadcast only, right? Not no, all, all Wednesdays. Okay, all Wednesdays. All Wednesdays, and um. And some of the words, I think it's cool. I mean, some of the words are yeah. cool. I mean, I think it's a, it's a neat little thing to do. But, uh, but I will say, I mean, and you probably can attest to this. I mean, sometimes, right? You have to force it in there, right? This isn't something oh, that just kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's the funniest part. I've I've had a couple of games where I've gotten to the uh, ninth inning, and it's just been the most boring, awful game ever. And you're like, I got to get this thing in, and it, yeah. you know, but it, it works see- out. Do you ha- give TK a heads up usually or no? Nope, I do not. No, he has no idea when or how it's coming in. Yeah, yeah I just, but he, I, just I guarantee you 99% of the time he knows when the, that's the word. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he knows no, it's he, Wednesday. He's waiting for it. He's like, all right, here's- here. If you're on the video podcast <laughs> on, uh, on, on YouTube, on the Social Notion Network, I'm going to give you an imitation of what how Todd is handling Todd is handling the uh, weird word Wednesday. Yeah. He will have his head down in his notebook. He'll have his readers on and I'll drop cacarophyophobia and he, and he'll go, he'll tilt the head up 
look at the field, and then just casually turn his head to the right <laughs> to look at me, and he'll drop the glasses down and go, give me a head nod. Yeah. And yeah, then he'll then he'll have a comment, but that's usually right. how it Which goes. Which he did. That's a good image. That's a great impression. See, a lot of people like so to do voice in. impressions, but they forget. Like, yeah, half the <laughs> half the impressions are the body, like the whole mannerisms and stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, we used priceless. to we used to imitate Steve McCaddy coming out to the mound. I know he got <laughs> to be the Nationals pitching coach, but McCaddy walking out to the mound. I mean, it doesn't matter how he talks or what he looks like. You could just do Steve McCaddy walking to the mound. It was the funniest funniest thing you know you guys all do batting stances Aaron Boone's really good at that um I had another good buddy who was awesome at imitations but man pitchers mm -hmm. we could just do like oh. like walking to the mound or throwing BP or I mean <laughs> you didn't have to say who it was you just do the little like duck walk you're like oh I know who that is yep um good stuff on weird weird Wednesday but uh the big big news actually this week was the NFL draft Tuttle tell me a little bit about what you got on the uh, NFL draft I picked out a couple of teams that I I was curious about um yeah. all the storyline I love the mock drafts and how they get blown up for some of these uh yeah. these analysts who think that they're inside every war room yeah. but it was kind of interesting how things unfolded I wasn't necessarily interested I was just curious about a couple of teams but uh, give me your breakdown of the NFL draft yeah, I will say I watched uh, Scott Van Pelt last night and he had Todd McShay on first. Todd McShay was seven for the first seven. So that's nice. pretty damn good for a draft prognosticator. He got I the first like seven. I feel like Mel Kuyper's just a, he's like a mascot now. Yeah, you know, I mean, these, I, I just, I mean, this is a whole nother podcast in itself. I don't get how these guys, I mean, yeah, they're connected. Like I love Chris Mortensen. Um, you know, uh, before he got sick and then, you know, uh, the other guys taking over his role, Adam or not Adam Schefter. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Schefter. That's right. So, mm -hmm. you know, but what are they, I mean, they're just connected guys. It's like being in the mafia. It's like, you know, Hey, I'll oh, yeah. call you, but I'll call you on the DL. And it's like, why, why do they have, I mean, I don't know how they got this job. It's a weird job. Mel Kuyper is like a Southern California meteorologist. I mean, he does all the scouting. <laughs> he goes to all the combines. He has all the data, but he could be wrong. He could be wrong all the time and next mm -hmm. year he's back doing his draft analysis so todd mcshay had the first seven right nobody picked that jc horn kid going to carolina at number eight yeah um he was the best cornerback in the draft but nobody prognosticate wise uh, had that right my take on it is you know this very well it's a crapshoot i like ryan Rosillo. he had a fantastic statistic the last 20 years there have been um 51 quarterbacks taken in the top 10 picks or in the first round mm -hmm. in the last was it 10 years or 20 years 51 quarterbacks and he did like bust eh, and then great and the great out of all those dudes is like you know it's like the guys we know brady rogers you know yeah, i mean like you gotta count 10%. like Peyton manning and those guys in there mm -hmm. but basically yeah it was like and, and he got into the debate about Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning, which was a real debate, right? Like, mm -hmm. who do you take? Do you take Peyton Manning? Do you take Ryan Leaf? Do you take Peyton Manning? Like, that was a real debate at the time. So yeah. his point was, I, I, back to your original question, like these prognosticators, Mel Kuyper, is he a mascot? Is he right? Like, you can be right all, you can be wrong all the time and then still have a job next year. So I know they scout, they look hard. Um, I like, I mean, I'm, I'm a Bay area guy. So I like that the Niners took, um, you know, the big athletic guy that will run in the offense that they're trying to run. And I think, um, if you hear now in hindsight, like, were they looking at Mac Jones or weren't, they were trying to throw everybody off the scent. Trey Lance is yeah. their pick. 
And if you look, he kind of reminds me of a bigger, maybe more strong arm Colin Kaepernick, you know, kind of a more robust That'd Kaepernick. Athletic. And, and athletic. And uh, Shanahan thinks that, you know, if Garoppolo could have completed some of those passes in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl two years ago, you know, they were up, what, 20 to 10 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if they could have just kind of kept that game at bay with a couple more passes and a little more mobility, then, you know, they could have gone somewhere. So I, I think I don't know enough from a scouting perspective and needs and all that, but, you know, I, I think the quarterback's the position, regardless of what you know about football. And, uh, and I think the other, Oh, I guess the other takeaway is the Mac Jones one. So um, I think you'll touch on this a little bit, but I just think it's funny how they're like, he's Tom Brady, but they got him at the 15th pick. It's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that is a lot you of pressure. To, like, maybe draft day, Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> not, not Tom yeah, Brady. Right. Like, hey, look, everybody knows Tom <laughs> Brady had a chip on his shoulder and everybody knows he was the 199th pick. Um, but now everybody's looking for the next Tom Brady. I mean, if it was that easy, go back to Ryan Rosillo's point of, meh, you know, yeah. bust. And, you know, so, so Mac Jones, I mean, if you had a draft choice, would you like to go to the Jets or would you like to go to the New England Patriots, you know, and Bill Belichick? It's like, so he has a dream situation, but I think it's a lot yes. of pressure to be like, you know, Mac Jones, we love your decision-making. We're going to let you start and we're going to put Cam Newton as the backup. And, you know, we expect you to be Tom Brady. Like, whoa, that's a lot of pressure. Could you so, imagine? Anyway, oh, man. That was the thing that stuck out to me is they they feel like maybe he fits the Patriots, Patriots system best, but I think the sentence should stop there. Like they got the quarterback yes. that fits their system the best and he's going to be the next Tom Brady or the, he, he's going to work just like Tom Brady. It's like, no, 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 stop, stop. Well, it was like when uh, Kyle Tucker gets called up, they're like, oh, a swing reminds us of Ted Williams. No, 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 no. no, no. Ted, Ted Williams is, is Ted freaking Williams, man. Yeah. Give the kid a break and just say he's yeah. going to be a good hitter someday. That's fine. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it, to, for Mac Jones to sit there and go, he's Tom Brady. No, Tom Brady has established himself as the goat and we need to just kind of hold off on that. We all wish that the guy we drafted is going to end up being the greatest player of all time, but you don't know that. I think what you said about the system, you know, and talking about the draft, you know, winners and losers. I think that Mac Jones won. I think that him being drafted by the Patriots is going to benefit him more than some of these other guys. I think that that system may make him one of the best 15th picks in the draft ever. You know, yep. because he's going to be in a system that he's been running with Nick Saban. Those guys seem to go from Alabama to the pros pretty good. I mean, they have a great track record. Yeah. So I think that's really going to benefit him going in that situation. But it just cracked me up that we're sitting there, you know, watching the draft, recognizing that the Patriots didn't have the best year. Their 15th pick. Everybody's trading up to get Justin Fields and get these certain guys. Uh, you know, they trade up to get Devontae Smith, you know, uh, the wide receiver. And you're going, okay, that makes sense. And then Boom. There's a great quarterback sitting at the 15th pick for the freaking New England Patriots, who if their system works with this guy, they're going to be right back in the playoffs again. It's insane to me, man, how good they are. I totally agree. And I I bet with the fraternity that they have, everybody I think is making a huge deal about the Belichick Brady thing, like that they hate each other. They grinded each other. Like, look, Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady are super tight. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mac Jones today is like, give me the playbook. I want to get the playbook. And Tom Brady calls Josh McDaniels and they have a three-way call. And Tom Brady's like, dude, dude this is it. 
welcome to this organization. You're going to be good. I'll see you on the field. I'm not going to give you the secret sauce. This is what Josh McDaniels and Belichick trust him and go have a good time and have a good career. Like a phone call like that would go a million miles. Josh McDaniels will make that happen. And he's going to be well on his way. I mean, I'm sure if it hasn't happened already, it's a, it's a, you could, you could take the microphone and just drop it right there. Cause I think, I think you absolutely nailed it because head coaches are involved and yes, they run the team. A lot of it's logistics. A lot of it's, you know, they got to delegate all these things, but ultimately it comes down to does the quarterback function inside a system with a, an offensive coordinator that they, they, you know, they, they get along with and they, they agree on things and they're able to function together with underneath this system. And I think that is the system, like you're saying, you know, McDaniel's going to, he, he's got a guy that he knows will fit. And so the offensive coordinator doesn't panic, the quarterback's not going to panic. And then Tom Brady's going to marry those two together just by making a simple phone call. And these guys are going to light it up. I completely agree with you. And I think that is an excellent point. Oh, thank you. I was just talking about the organization. How about this? It, this just hit me when you said they traded up Devonta Smith. So Devonta Smith went to Philadelphia, I believe, at ten. Jalen yeah, Hurts Jaylen. played at Jalen Hurts played at Alabama, but then went to Oklahoma. So you got Devonta Smith and Jalen Hurts. Um, then you had uh, the Dolphins. You have t- 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 uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Talk about weird word yeah. Wednesday. I can never say his name. Tua Tonga-Vailoa <laughs> grabbed J- Jalen Waddle. So they married those two guys again. Yep. You had um, the the Jaguars took uh, Lawrence and they took Etienne, the running Et- back. Etienne, yeah. Etienne, sorry. You, so I'm thinking, wait a second, like that's a huge coincidence. Oh, and Jamar Chase, and that was the that was the other big one. Jamar oh, Chase yeah. and Joe Burrow, the two top I guys. About from that. Great that, call. <laughs> and so you look at those four guys, and you're like, are the GMs really GMing, or is this like college football light? Like I'm like, how? I mean that just didn't happen. I don't think in our day, like, I mean, unless it was a superstar, like Devonta Smith is a slight guy. And now he's with Tonga Vailo who didn't have a great first year, but they're marrying these guys. You wonder if the GM, you know, Russell Wilson, this off season went to task on the Seattle, uh, the Seattle Seahawks based on, he wasn't included in some of these decisions, but it almost looks like Jalen hurts and Tonga Vailoa and Lawrence <laughs> are like, yeah, this guy's a good guy. Right. And you know, you're going to want him in yeah. the organization. And, um, we heard that with the, with the chiefs, they asked, they asked, uh, Pat Mahomes, you know, what do you like yeah. about the draft? He's like, I want that running back from LSU. I mean, like, I'm just wondering, you know, it's a lot of coincidence, but that was four first rounders that were all like mm-hmm. just married to guys that they played with. And I think it does speak to the organizations, but it, it speaks a lot to the college football talent being heavy, yeah. right? You have Ohio State, Clemson and Alabama and all those guys are, you know, yep. Alabama's had four or five first rounders like the last four like the four the last four drafts in a row. It's like, yeah, their, their endowments got to be going up by like a couple million every year. Yeah. Uh, with all so, the anyway, I just what what are your thoughts on that a little bit? Like, what are your thoughts on those guys being paired? I up? think I it, mean, I think it's incredibly interesting, and I agree with you that maybe not the most uh, you know the most valuable scouting is going into it. I think those schools recruit blue chippers, and that's why they're so successful. They they run NFL systems now because it's not you know the wishbone offense where you're you know triple optioning to the left or triple optioning to the right. You know, it's it's actually you know. RPOs and all of this quarterbacks are getting a little more advanced running backs aren't guys that just catch I mean just grab the ball and run they got to get out to the outside run routes catch the ball 
uh, tight ends are becoming more athletic, wide receivers are more athletic. So I think it kind of fits into the idea that yes, you're recruiting number one athletes and the NFL's version of the minor league system is going to organizations that develop well. And if those teams are winning and developing, you're going to go pick those guys. And I think there is an idea behind you know, putting a running back behind a guy who's comfortable with him, yeah. uh, putting, you know, an offensive tackle that's comfortable with a guy or putting a wide receiver because we know so much of it is on timing and relationship and trust. And then you don't have to develop that. You just bring this guy in and they've got it instantly. Yeah. I think that's where that kind of has some value to it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and, and, and I do think this having come from baseball as well, we do put a lot of emphasis and a lot of um, fluff around the first round. But I think the way the organization is built and the foundation comes today and tomorrow and the, you know, the guys you sign free agent wise, right. That's the foundation. These guys are always the front running, like, Hey, this is great. You know, draft day is a big deal, but um, you know, and they're the face of the franchise, I guess, per se, but that's not what wins football games every Sunday. I mean, that guy's going to help your team, but I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. He's notoriously been the best, you know, he's the NFL MVP this last year and you know, they keep getting knocked out. So, um, that leads me to the question, bringing up Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson had kind of a public, I don't know if it's tet, a tet, but, you know, had a public comment for Pete Carroll and the Seattle organization this offseason about including him in some of the decision making mm-hmm. process. And um, Aaron Rodgers was disappointed last year at a couple things. Not only did they take Jordan Love and trade up to get him, which I mean, I don't even think he was active. I mean, we still don't know what kind of player he's going to be, but he's obviously I there. He is. I know. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> he, they took him last year, but then. I think probably the straw that broke the camel's back and then let it seep in was the fact that they didn't give him the ball, right? They kicked, they uh, took oh. the field goal at the end of the game, whereas mm-hmm. everybody else would say, Hey, here's the NFL MVP guy. And I think he was frustrated by that. And you're going to smile at this, but he's had a lot of success as the Jeopardy host. And so I think he's looking at a new <laughs> career path. No, I'm Love kidding. It. But what, did you ever have a situation in an, a major league locker room where somebody was, I don't know if bigger than the team is correct. There are always guys that are bigger than the team. We've talked about some of your mm-hmm. teammates. I mean, you know, Greg Maddox, he was bigger than the team in terms of his ability, but he was one of the dudes, you know, one of the guys. So yeah, um, totally. I just mean, if somebody spoke out, you mentioned somebody before, like how would that translate for baseball to the NFL? And what, what do you think, what do you think that does for an organization when somebody like Aaron Rodgers says something like, Hey, I don't even want to be here. It's like, Whoa. Yeah, it's got to be tough for for the NFL because we've talked about the NFL and the NBA where these guys can actually make that call and and get themselves out of these situations. And I think Major League Baseball is different just in the contracts that they have, uh, the way they're structured. You know, part of these part of these contracts is you know, yes, the player doesn't want to wants a no trade contract uh, clause in his contract, but at the same time, I'm sure there's some teams that wish they didn't have that so they could trade the guy instead of having him bitch and moan. Um, but I've been on plenty of teams where, you know, the veteran big contract guy would be like, man, I wish we would have made a move at the deadline. I wish the organization would show me they're trying to win, you know, or, or they say that was a lateral move. You know, we shouldn't have done that. Um, but the only thing I can really compare it to players is, have you know, said that, to, players oh, yeah. have said that oh, publicly though. Yeah. Or? Billy Wagner, Billy Wagner, when we had him in 0203 in uh, Houston, you know, we were contending for the National League Central and we needed maybe an extra pitcher to put us, you know, into into contention maybe later in the playoffs. But, you know, we, we faltered down the stretch because we didn't make a move. So he's like, you know, I wish we would have made a move, would have made us better, but our, you know, management didn't want to win it. So they didn't make a move. You know, I don't know. 
you, you've got to be careful because you're trading away people to get a guy back. So right. there's a lot going on there. But then there was also, you know, we traded for Randy Wolf one year. And, you know, I think Billy came out again and goes, man, that's just a lateral move. <laughs> you know, he didn't yeah. upgrade the rotation. So you're like, great to have you on the team, but, yeah. you know, you're just a guy, you know. So it wasn't yeah. like a big move. Uh, but uh, in 2009 or 10, you know, we started to see the Astros organization kind of shift in a different different direction. And, uh, you know, Roy Oswalt made some comments in the media. He eventually got traded to Philadelphia. Uh, Lance Berkman was, was, was not content. There was rumors about him being traded. He eventually got traded to the New York Yankees. But, you know, those weren't mega – there were mega stars in Houston, but they weren't mega stars in the league that were demanding trades. They were just kind of recognizing the situation and said, this is the time to get out. And I think organization – the organization understood we, have, we can get a return. Right. So that's basically the genesis of that idea. But there, you're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. There's no way. No. I mean, what's the the what the only value would for the Broncos would be to trade him and win a world win a World Series win a uh, Super Bowl championship? And I is he going to be able to do that? Because we keep hearing that Aaron Rodgers is over the hill. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's over the hill. I just think the speaking out thing is more of a, it's kind of like what we talk about off air often, but like the political politicization, that's a tough word to say, but the politics get involved. And it's really interesting. Like did Aaron do that on draft day? Because last year they drafted Jordan love on draft day and they didn't tell him or, you know I mean? I, you know, you just think Gosh, mm-hmm. this guy just, there's a lot going on goes, behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, like what in the, you know, like what is going on to do that? Russell Wilson, I think, is happy in Seattle. To your point, the Aaron Rodgers thing is calculated. Yeah. Yeah, That's what makes it concerning. Yeah, exactly. So that's my point. Was he just trying to, was it just, uh, what do they call it? Like a, a, a bow shot, right? Shot across your bow, like and stir the pot. And so if they do things well now, I think he was disappointed. They drafted another defensive player in the first round as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. I just think Russell Wilson looks different to me, which is, I think he's happy in Seattle. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. He's well-liked, well-loved. He has some business ventures up Mm -hmm. there, Um, you know, but I do think he wanted to make it be known that he would like to kind of be included in some of the personnel decisions because he's ultimately the, you know, the field general. And I think he, I don't know if, for a guy who's quiet and, you know, certainly humble and gives mm-hmm. glory to God, it's a really interesting, I think the way he handled it was actually okay in the sense that now he's publicly saying, all right, this is where I want to be. I just wanted to kind of do, Aaron's a little bit different and a little more aloof and a little more, like you said, calculating. So, I mean, I just was wondering if it's going to fracture the locker room. I guess, like anything, it's like those holdouts if they hold out for a couple of games, they come back in and help you win. Then for the most part, everyone's like, all right, yeah. Aaron's back. Yay. So I don't know. Well, I mean, there were a couple of interviews with the, some of the Packer players and they almost sounded, you know, saddened by the whole thing. Like, why does he want to leave us? We can't win without him. So, you know, what if it has the reverse effect that, you know, he says, you know, I don't like what's going on here. I want to be traded, but he comes back to the, to the clubhouse and he says, Hey boys, you know, I said what I said, but I'm here. Let's go. Let's go. You know, yeah. and he fires him up and they're just grateful to have him back. I don't know if that's a situation that seems like a stretch for me a little bit because there are going to be guys in there. You know, you're going to line up and look down the line and go, man, this dude doesn't even want to be here right now. You yeah. know? And that's what I meant. Like in baseball, it seems that it makes it happen. But when, like when Billy Wagner, let's use that example, when he said something like that and Randy Wolf comes into the clubhouse the next day, I mean, maybe, 
maybe guys are like, I now know kind of what my ability was and where I was at. Maybe I just feel like, yep, I am just a guy. Like, I don't expect to be the number mm-hmm. one guy here. I'm just going to come in and throw my innings and do my best. Like maybe it's not offensive, but you could see how the guys already knew in the clubhouse, you know, Hey, welcome to the team. And now they're like, Oh, we just got a guy, you know, like that's a little, yeah. like, what does that do to the clubhouse? Well, we didn't win the central that year. I mean, we ended up faltering down the stretch, but I mean, you know, we played was hard. Was that Billy Wagner's and... fault or Randy Wolf's fault? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it could have been all of our faults too, you know, yeah. but you're right though in the sense that you're kind of at a, you know, you're at that that tipping point. And if you don't feel as a, as a group, if you don't feel like you really made that move, then you're kind of like, all right, we'll just keep playing hard and see what happens instead yeah. of going, oh my gosh, we just picked up Justin Verlander. We're going to, we're going to jack this thing up and go for it. You know, yeah. that's a big yeah. difference in mentality. It is. Yeah. It's an adrenaline. It's a, it's a shot of adrenaline to say the least. All it right. is. Speaking of shots of adrenaline, it is that. Time yeah. Again. Woo. What will Tuttle say? What will Tuttle say? Look, I'm wearing my original bleacher blum shirt. First one I OG. ever got. First one that Mr. Ramos ever made. Um, so this one's a kind of a, a, a Q and a session like this podcast should be. It's a, so the article I read this week was, um, what was it? Madison Baumgartner does not throw a no hitter. I think was the headline. I think oh, I didn't write yeah. it down, but good one. And I just thought, God, Madison Baumgartner did not throw a no hitter. That's a weird headline. You start reading the article and how they made it like nine innings. And then I go all the way back to that guy who threw a perfect game. He threw 12 perfect innings and lost in the 13th inning. And you know, you don't get credit. <laughs> you get credit for a big L. Uh, yeah. I should know his name, but anyway, 13 or 14 perfect innings. And it goes down Dude, as a Pedro one Martinez run did that one time too. Pedro Martinez yeah. had one of those in San Diego. Yeah. And honestly, if you throw 12 perfect innings and you lose the game, like you shouldn't get credit for a perfect game, but I think everybody knows you're the shit. Like you can deal. Yeah, <laughs> that, just, yeah. that just doesn't happen. Right. So, but I do think, um, you know, Hey, pitcher versus hitter here. I do think, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, in college it happened. We used to have, we would switch it up every yeah. year, but we would have like a nine inning game on Friday, a seven and a seven on Saturday and a game on Sunday, a nine inning on Sunday. Then the next year we did nine, nine, nine. So we just did three games. And then one year we did like nine, seven, nine on Saturday and we got Sunday off. Like every year they kept switching it. But if you threw seven good innings on, you know, I mean, I got credit for a one hitter, I think in a seven inning game before it's like, I just kind of feel like, uh, you know, and maybe this is where like the rain shortened game. I don't think there's anything wrong with calling it like it is. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't think mm-hmm. like Nolan Ryan's seven, no hitters are not going to be diminished because somebody threw a five inning, you know, no hit, like rain shortened complete game. Like if he gets credit for a complete game and a win, then just call it a no hitter. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think the title has to be I think we're playing with it because it's like no hits. Did he give up no hits? Yep. Then we can call it a no hitter. Like nobody mistakes that game, seven good innings of no hit baseball versus like the 12 perfect innings that Pedro Martinez, you know, nobody's going to be like, Oh, well, these shouldn't be, you know, nobody makes that mistake. Kind of what you said earlier, like as a ball player, you were there, you saw it with your own eyes. You get it. You understand. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just thought that was funny. I think, I guess the ultimate point is Madison Bumgarner should certainly get credit for a no hitter when he throws seven no hit innings and he can't go out there for the eighth inning. They don't let him. The game's over. He won. Like, what's wrong with saying Madison Bumgarner threw a seven inning no hitter? Uh, okay, so let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did Madison Bumgarner throw 
no hit baseball within the rules of the game that day. Right. And that's the question I'm asking. Yep. He did. Tell me what the rules are. I'm going to play by the rules and do what I have to do. It's interesting you bring this up because there was a tweet going around a couple of days ago, and I think her name was Britt Garoli. She's a, she's either a beat writer or sideline reporter for one of the teams in the league. I, I can't remember it at this given moment, okay. but she sent out sorry, a tweet. Sorry, Britt, but we'll look it up. I know, and I'll probably run <laughs> yeah, into her no, once we no, start traveling and be like, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. But, uh, but it was a great tweet, and it, and it said this. It said, if – Badison Bumgarner doesn't get credit for throwing a seven inning no hitter under the rules of baseball. A baseball executive said, then why do we consider the Los Angeles Dodgers, the world series champions? How about that? Isn't that very, that was a great comment. So if you consider a 60 game season world series champion, shouldn't you consider a seven inning no hitter? Yeah. I mean, it's probably some some English professor somewhere would call you out on like false equivalency or like apples Semantics, to apples, yeah. oranges to oranges. Like, well, is this really the yeah. same thing, shortened season or game? But but I think the point is well made and well taken. I mean, that that's really what I'm asking. Like, we, we say this all the time. Under a set of rules. And right. he, this, he accomplished a seven inning no hitter. That's right. So that's my point is that this we talked about COVID a little bit, like the season shortening this the frustration I have with my kids, with everybody else is the rules. Like we established the rules of the house. This is what they are. And they, and as long as everybody knows that, then that's how, that's how we play this game of life or baseball or whatever we're doing. So just tell me what the rules are. Don't keep moving the cheese mm-hmm. and telling me this isn't the rule, but this is today, <laughs> and, you know, and, and that's yep. kind of what my argument was about the extra innings. I know you don't love the extra inning rule and a lot of people do yeah. not like it, but that's what the rule is this year. So if you lose the game with a guy on second and he tags up and scores and like you lost the game, like that's the way it goes. Game. we know what the rules are and you know, that's what yep. we're going to play by. So I, I think you and I are on the same page with that. I just thought I, it was a pitcher's duty to at least on the bleachers yes. podcast, if they want to write in, if they want to write into the mailbag and dispute that or have a counter argument to it, I would love to hear it. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying Madison Garner threw a no hitter last week. Nothing wrong with it. I, I'm in complete agreement because we he probably could have gone another two innings and and thrown the no no, but it, but you can qualify it. You know you can say a seven inning no hitter, but it was under the rules. It's a no hitter, and I think if you look right. at his baseball reference page, it should say no hitter. Right, and if he threw that no hitter plus another one, and he got credit for two no hitters. Great. I mean Verlander's thrown three. Nolan Ryan threw seven. Like. And, and if you go back, we talked about scorekeeping at the beginning of this podcast, like you can go back at the record and go, Oh, <laughs> that one was seven innings. Right. Where are these yeah. guys like Pedro and the other guy, they threw 12 or 13 perfect innings. Are those the same game? Are those the same things? No, they're mm. not the same things. Did they do this? Yes, they did. Did they do this? Yes, they did. And that's what I think the, the point is. So I think it's a great, right. that's a great topic. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I felt, like I said, indebted to my pitcher brethren, my pitcher fraternity to bring that up. So Blummer, let's, let's, uh, let's hear what Blum's blasts are and then let's wrap this baby up. Mother Nature let us go together today, but we want to spend all day together, right? Blum's blast no, I'll, make has... the short, I'll make the short and sweet. Well, I've got the GB microphone baseball shirt on and Mark Ramos, our, our buddy at Ram Shirts, if you go to Crush City Tees, I don't know if these are on there, but you can go to jeffblum.com and find this shirt right here that Ooh, I've got on. Jeff but he's, he's a great creator. 
Yeah, great creator. And I appreciate him doing these. I've got a couple of different colors. You don't have to go with the white socks colors. You can go with uh, something white else. socks, Astros. You probably got a Padre color shirt in there. I want the Padre one. Does he have a navy? Does he have a navy? Navy and sand. sand. Does he? <laughs> you know exactly what color that is. No, but um, does he? I got to get no, on. The there's actually uh, there's an army green one in there. It's a okay. military looking one. It's sweet. Um, but uh, anyway, real quick, Blum's Blast. The NFL draft was uh, last night. I'm sitting there watching this thing. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how they were going to produce this thing. I didn't know how they were going to put the show on because it's, it's become this, you know, entity all on its own. And sure enough, there's a panel of four guys. There's a band on stage. There's a crowd. Granted, it looks like they tried to separate them. I don't know. They had barriers or something in between. Uh, mm. Anyways, they had the, the, the freaky fans there all dressed up and done up. And then uh, Roger Goodell comes out with the first pick and he starts high-fiving everybody and high-fives a random fan. He's got his vaccination sticker on, no mask. And he, the number one pick is Trevor Lawrence. And they're going nuts. And they cut away to shots of the fans. They're going nuts. They've got guys coming out of their cubicles to come get, you know, accept their uh, jersey and, and things like that. And then you add that to what baseball is doing with, you know, the Texas Rangers full capacity on opening day. Every, every time I watch a game on TV, they're cutting to fans, catching foul balls without masks on. And sports has become the double-barreled middle finger to the CDC. It has been yeah. unbelievable for me to watch sports on a consistent basis and then watch and listen to the news and listen to the political side of things. And if you're listening to the political side, double mask, get vaccinated, double mask again, don't go outside. If you do go outside, don't go inside. And if you do go inside, yet here we are watching the NFL draft with these guys coming out. And I mean, they're high-fiving on the way down the stage to people they have no idea where they've been. And I'm just, it is cracking me up to watch sports just go, we're going. We're going 100 miles an hour and we don't care what anybody says. It's been unbelievable yeah. to me. That's a really good point. Gosh, you must have been, I mean, not just paying attention because I just watch sports and I'm trying to live a normal life. I'm like, oh yeah. But man, I watched the draft a little bit last night and you watch sports and LSU came out this weekend with a uh, statement saying that all sports are going to resume with full capacity and full attendance. Let's go. Not require, <laughs> I, don't, I think they said not require any masks, but um, you know, the little side note to this is um, the industry I work in, medical industry is kind of funny because um, funny with air quotes, uh, you know, India and Brazil are really struggling right now. So from a global, yeah. you know, we're talking about like putting this in, but from a global perspective, they don't have the capacity to get the vaccination. They don't have a lot of uh, infrastructure to have a manufacturing plant there. So, you know, how, how do mm -hmm. the channels look? And I'm not bringing that up to be a downer. I'm just saying like, it's funny how when we get our own yard in order, right? Like, hey, uh, you know, our yeah. yards raked and trimmed and stuff. Like we don't I'm need good. to look over the fence. And, and how that relays into being a melting pot and, a, you know, I'm not saying we should take care of the world. I'm just saying it's really interesting that, I mean, yeah, not just sports, but America in general, as we get vaccinated, it's like, all right, woo, we've been caged up long enough. So, but I think, I think your point is a little more fine and, and it's, and it's real, which is, you know, I mean, some of my favorite restaurants are still closed or they're doing social distancing or you're still eating on the patio and you wear masks when you go in there. If you went to a Texas Rangers game today, I mean, I don't know if anybody would ask you to put on a mask, but, you know, you can get the double beers for, you know, 10 bucks, get a bag of peanuts and, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, everything's normal. And it's like, whoa, that is a, 
that's like the only place it's like uh like what what do they call that like bizarro world i don't know like hey yeah hey let's wear let's wear a mask you know as we drive over there we'll take the uber over there we'll wear a mask um let's get a let's uh, get a pregame beer over at this bar where you gotta wear a mask until you take a sip of your beer and then you get into the stadium and it's like woo, like we're just cut loose like we're gonna watch a game tonight and we're gonna yeah so it is weird i don't know if that's the middle finger to the cdc or if that's just state to state but it does seem like um it's nuts sports is sports is on the precipice of pushing that envelope further and further and further <laughs> more so than than other things for sure yeah it's insane yeah they're they are basic sports are living with a lack of cacarophobia phobia whatever the hell that that's was right um but yeah good times Tuttle. it's weird work friday morning weird work friday morning here on the bleacher blums podcast i i did have one more thing for you based on that what are you seeing at minute maid park then what i mean when you look down like when you're there for the home games i know the people are spaced out but are most of them social distancing and wearing masks in there i mean not to to throw you under the bus (laughs) no but But. that's an interesting question because we do have view of the whole stadium if you're if you're just at home watching the game and you see the center field shot of home plate you're seeing the diamond club with no masks and you're kind of like well what's going on there but if you really zoom out um the astros the astros have done a good job of filling half the stadium but they have certain sections where if if you're if you're vaccinated or you don't care about getting COVID and you want to be slammed in there with fans, you can sit in a section that's going to be full of fans. And then you'll look around and there'll be two sections that are spread out and you can, it's obvious that they are distancing those like people. Five from people, people, next row, five yeah. people. Like it looks like a little, yeah. Exactly. So they, they actually have, they've given the fan the option to pick. Do you want to attend it like a normal fan or do you want to attend it socially distancing? So that's been great. And uh, from what I've seen on the concourse, uh, masks have been on the concourse. All the fans that I've interacted with or had the opportunity to interact with have been masked, and it's been appropriate. You can see you've probably seen yeah. some pictures on uh, on social was, media where we've been masked my, up. And my favorite tweet was somebody wanted to have a picture with you, and that, then I think they posted it at Blummer, which was, you know, this is the best I could do. Like, you know, here's this, you know, yeah. our color guy. My it's my first chance to meet Jeff Blum, and you know, I want a picture with him, and it's like. All right. Yeah, this is yeah. I promise that's, I promise that's Blummer. I promise. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But, but I think that's good to know. And I think the Diamond Club obviously is usually like one core group, right? So each of those mm-hmm. are separate anyway. Are they not? True. I mean, yeah. Okay. No, it is. It's it's a it's a separate entrance. It's a it's yeah. their own uh, concessions yeah. and right. and things yeah. like that. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's also All a right. rent Blummer. So. Yeah, there you go. That's all. That's all I got today. I mean, I, like I said, Mother Nature intervened uh, fantastically for us. Hopefully, it doesn't uh, affect you guys too much out in uh, the Houston area. Yeah. Here on the uh, the left coast, we're uh, we're enjoying life, sunny weather, and we want to, as always, give a shout out to um, all the service members and all the frontline workers, healthcare workers, um, police, fire, all of those um, services uh, from Houston to California and all over the country. I mean, it's. Uh, important work you guys are doing i i i don't know i i watched a video on npr yesterday um that had mm-hmm. some further video about the capital riots i don't know if you they they haven't seen any more of that yeah i'm just saying so through the mm-hmm. course they're now you know they're prosecuting certain people that did certain things oh, yeah. but now they've released some of the video because some of the people that were being charged didn't agree with it and you just look at these police officers like standing at the barrier they're just 
They're just trying to protect the building. They're just doing their job. And there's a bunch of a-holes, you know, with like pepper spray and, you know, and they're basically saying, well, you can't prove that the guy pepper sprayed. The video has this guy like leaning over the rail, like, <laughs> and, so the gal, stupid. and the lady, you know, she just ducked. Like you'd see a lady police mm -hmm. officer, you know, or capital officer. And she was like this. And they're like, I mean, oh no, he didn't spray anything. He was just doing this, like with his hand. Like, anyway, my point is that's not, something that i would want to do i mean yes i want to defend my country and yes i want to do my job but uh you know i see stuff like that and it just makes me think you know there are a lot of thankless tasks associated with certain jobs but that's got to be at the top of the list and uh, we appreciate you and you know always think about you guys as we enjoy our freedom to do the podcast and do all the other things we want to do yep and the most important thing we want everybody else to do along with us is get after it and believe it